Okay, so Happy New Year. Isaiah 52, verse 12. And I'm reading this from the New American Standard Bible. And these verses, I read these yesterday, and they just really spoke to me in such a deep way. Um, But you will not go out in haste, nor will you go as fugitives, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. And I was just thinking of those words, and they just spoke to me so deeply for this New Year's ahead of us. And, you know, on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, a lot of different emotions and a lot of thoughts come to our minds, don't they? In the evening, New Year's Eve, we like to reflect back about our year. Some of us more analytical minds like to nitpick everything. Uh, Some of us optimistic type of people like to think, well, it's going to be better next year. But I like to start the I like to start the the new year um, with a Bible verse, and I posted this on Facebook last night and or yesterday morning. And I was thinking about these words. These are promises from God, and God is saying to us, to God, God is saying to His people, "You will not go out in haste." You ever have to you ever have to leave somewhere in haste? Like you're in a hotel room and you realize, oh wow, I thought checkout was eleven, but it's ten, <laughs> and you got to pack your stuff and just get out the door and. Like this nice place that you were in for like a few days maybe, and now you just got to suddenly leave and it's no longer yours. And that's not a great feeling. And this is kind of the, this is kind of what God is saying to Israel and what he says to us that you will not go out in haste. And in the New American Standard it says, nor will you go as fugitives. And the, the, the term fugitive kind of de- depicts or de- kind of gives the idea of like Joseph and Mary, they were on the road. They were like spiritual refugees in one sense. Uh, Fugitives are people that are on the run because they are guilty or because they have an indictment against them. And they can't really settle anywhere because they have a criminal record. And God is saying that you're not going to go that way. You're not going to go in, and I like to look at it like this. We're not going to go into this new year with a fugitive mentality, which is, I don't belong here. I don't deserve this, uh, nor do I think that God could ever bless me because of my spiritual criminal history. And we all have a spiritual criminal history, even the best of us here. But the Lord will go before you. And I love those, I love those kind of verses that the Lord's going to go before you. You know, my wife and I moved here to Texas uh, six months ago, was it? How many months ago was it? We felt like even before we got here, we felt like the Lord was going before us. And we're meeting people and the lions and many other people that just welcomed us into their, into their lives. And that's really what we're doing as Christians. We are welcoming people into our life that were not normally there. It's almost like a spiritual adoption that's happening. The Lord will go before you. And the God of Israel will be your rear guard. And we know that that rear guard is a military term. That Another word was used as a tail end Charlie. And if you were in the military and sought any combat, um, that rear guard was always a very important part because when you look at the armor that God gives us, that spiritual armor, what part of the body is not covered? The back, the back end, is it? So God has not given us a provision to turn tail and run. He's only given us a provision to move forward. All of our armor is all forward-moving protection. So whenever we turn tail and run, or whenever we run from our enemy, um, we're going to meet 
you know, we're going to be God. God's going to be wrong direction. You know, Psalm 23, grace and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I like that because grace and mercy, we've, one of our pastors once said, are God's hound dogs chasing us down. If we ever find ourselves in a very bad place, it's going to be only a, a, a matter of time before grace, God's grace and God's mercy chase us down. We know that grace means that God gives us what we could never qualify for and that he wants to give us. And mercy means that God doesn't give us what we really deserve. God doesn't give us what we deserve. And, and so there are three things in this verse that talk about um, our timetable or our timeline. Security, for, security from yesterday. Security from yesterday. We have security from what happened in the past. Number two, we have security for tomorrow. You have security for tomorrow. And we have security for today. We have security for today. Now, maybe some of us in our lives, maybe that not a lot of people know about what's happening in our life. Maybe we're facing some very un, unstable circumstances. Maybe we don't know what's going to happen this month or next month or what's going to happen with the business or what's going to happen with family finances or with, with our family. We don't know what's going to happen with the future. But we have the security in God. And you know, the world will pay lots of money for security. Lots of money for security. I mean, the insurance business is huge, isn't it? It's a big business. Because people are looking for security. But our security, first and foremost, is really in this verse in Isaiah 52, verse 12. So number one, security from yesterday. You know, at the end of this year, we really are turning to God in eagerness, really in thinking about our future. And yet, sometimes we can't help but having this anxiety about what happens if yesterday catches up to me today? You ever think that? You know, those things in the, ba- in the past? What if last year catches up with me today? What if, you know, those few years ago catch up to me today where I am today? And we, we get worried about what if my, 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 and this is fugitive thinking, and this is not the way God wants us to think, because we're not fugitives in the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors. We are pioneers. Uh, we, are, uh, we are like Abraham, uh, pioneering a new area in our lives that um, a fugitive is thinking, what happens if my past catches up to me and bites me in the back? You ever hear that? Like some people call it karma. <laughs> Karma will get you. We usually say that's drivers, don't we? You know, the karma is, is going to get you. But that's not how God thinks. God is not, uh, God is not propagating a fugitive type of mentality because God is the God of all of our yesterdays. Isn't that awesome? When we look at our past, what are we going to see? We're going to see our rear guard. God, the Father, is right there. I like to cycle. I love cycling. And when you cycle with a group, there's always the guy that is going to be the tail end Charlie or the guy that's going to bring up the back and uh, he's usually the most comforting person on the ride because he you know usually it's one of the stronger riders that ride in the back just because that's the way they do it and when you fall back if you're having a hard day cycling that that day and you're falling back and you know you're not by, you're not there by yourself and, and he's right there he'll ride with you he's going to ride with you until you get to the end and there's no criticism going on there's just he understands you as a fellow cyclist that sometimes our legs are just not working right that, you know, in those times. And God is the God of our yesterdays, and he's, he's crucified all of our successes and all of our failures 
you know, those are the two things that God has crucified. Not only has he crucified our failures, our sin, all of our past, but he's also crucified all of our success. And why is that important? Because the temptation that we can have is to live when we, in those moments of passivity, we say, well, you know what? I've done, I've accomplished a lot of things in my life. This is how far I've gotten. I don't need to get so hard on myself. You know, I can kind of kick back a little bit and, you know, this is what I have all, this is what I have done. But I think that as a Christian walking by faith, we're never going to find satisfaction thinking outside of faith with God about our present circumstances. That when we get passive, that we wouldn't start leaning or compensating on those uh, successes that we've accomplished. Because not only has God crucified my sin, but he's also crucified all of my achievements. And I think in the United States, we really have a real achievement complex, don't we? I mean, we like to achieve in the United States, don't we? I mean, in the Western world, we like achievement. We like, we like checking off those boxes. We like the task lists. We like records. We like, you know, you know I got my wife for her birthday, um, for Christmas, a Fitbit charge. You know, and she's checking the steps, and you know, when she gets to 10,000, the watch does all these cool things. It buzzes and it blinks, and it's kind of like a celebration. We love achievement. And it's like we cannot live, we cannot lean on our achievements in the kingdom of God because that, that is crucified. That is crucified. We can rejoice in it, and we can thank the Lord for it. And actually, when we get to heaven, we're going to actually hear the Father say to us, hopefully, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So in the eyes of God, we are on a journey, and achievement is not, it is not bad. It's not that we are called to live as Buddhists in a state of passivity, but we're called to really live at the cross. And this is where God calls us this year, like this year ahead of us. And, you know, I don't know some of you here. I'm just thinking about what God will do. You know, I like to think that, and I said this last summer when we moved here, just think, honey, in 12 months, we're going to have pictures of people that we don't even know on our refrigerator, and they're going to be our friends. This is the way God works, isn't it? This is the way we, this is the way God wants to bless our new year. And God has also crucified all of our sins, thank the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Psalm 103, verse 12. I love, I love, I love, um, Paul's statement in Romans chapter 7 and I think I said this last Wednesday Paul said I'm not my sin <laughs> wow talk about irresponsibility right that's what I would say you know me and my moral maybe my moral temperament or whatever but that's not what it is he could say that because he understood a rugged cross think of Peter in Acts chapter 2 when he's standing up and he's preaching to all the multitudes now this guy Jesus is CEO, you know, upon this rock I will build my church. We know he wasn't talking about Peter. He's pointing at himself when he said that. Peter denies him. Peter is like just not even, just a few weeks later, he's up preaching in Acts chapter 2 saying, you crucified him, you crucified him. Now, did this guy have a good, clean self-consciousness and self-awareness and a clean conscience? Yes, he did. He had a conscience that was purged by the blood of Christ. Our sins are separated from us as far as the east is from the west. This is a classic verse, but it's just so important that we start our day with that, that we wake up in the morning, that we face this new year, that I am not facing this year as who I was last year. I'm facing this year as a new creation, a brand new creation. And so our life is not built on things that lag behind 
We cannot allow past failure to impact today's promises. The devil's always trying to project things at you and I about our past failures. We just have to say, that's not who I am. When we look at the Old Testament concept, if you understand the Hebrew grammar and the Hebrew concept of forgiveness, forgiveness was not just something to say, okay, I forgive you. Forgiveness was a huge, huge, major event. It meant that not only are your not only are you no longer guilty, but in Leviticus 16, when the priest laid his hands on that scapegoat and confessed all the sins of Israel on that goat as a type of Jesus Christ and sent him into the wilderness, where, by the way, it says, where no man lived. Like, God doesn't want us to search out people's sins and other people's sins. And when he, when he did that, the concept of forgiveness meant that not only are we forgiven, but those sins are no longer ours. They're not ours. We are not in any way attached to them in the sense that for me to live in the memory of my sin, this is what the Hebrew points out, I am actually robbing something that does not belong to me. Think of that. Forgiveness means I am separated from all of that craziness in my past. And we have crazy pasts, all of us in this room, I'm sure. Uh, You know, God separates us from that. And he separates us from all of that even before our life with him began uh, in, in, at, that, at, a, at a rugged cross. And we are separated from that. And I think one of the great, we were talking about Celebrate Recovery earlier. One of the, well, I think one of the first amazing steps that a person can make in their life is when they are no longer um, mentally and emotionally attached to who they used to be. You know, when we say we forgive someone, but I can never forget Maybe we can't forget. Maybe it's like, maybe I can't forget what happened. It's there. But my emotions can forget. My emotions no longer are attached to that feeling of pain. So when I see that person or I'm remembering that circumstance, I'm no longer emotionally um, disturbed and and, uh, I'm healed in my emotions because something in my life is great. And that can take years. Don't worry about it if it doesn't happen a day. It won't. It could take some time. And that's okay. God gets us through it. But when we look at this new year, the devil wants to take our old things, wants to take old things and try to make them pertinent for today. I remember, um, I remember counseling someone years ago, and it was actually a family member, and they were saying to me, I can still hear my drunken father um, telling me that I'm and this was a woman that I would never be a good wife and a good mother and that I'm a loser that I will never accomplish anything that I'm going to be a failure and this is what he said to her as a little girl and he said I can still hear that voice a voice that has been dead for decades decades (laughs) decades and this voice is still in her mind alive and we can live with these ghosts in our head we don't believe in ghosts but we know that it's something different, but we can live in these phantom voices of our past that's not the voice of God, and it's a stranger's voice, and we have to cast it down because it's, it's not God's mind. We have to cast it down, and there's a part of us that says, no, i got to feed on that because that's reality, that's truth. i gotta, I got to stay reconciled with my past. No, that's a lie from the devil. We're supposed to cast those things that exalt themselves above the experiencing of God's presence in my life today. That's what Paul said to the Corinthians. And so if we were an utter failure in some area of our life last year, 
You know what the Bible says? Just forget it and grow in grace and allow the grace of God to be sufficient for you today. So when we look at our tasks lists and all those things or that, that did not get completed last year and those things that we failed in as a father or as a, as a husband or a wife or a kid or whatever, wherever we, you know, whatever that, that deficit margin, if you're an accountant, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's that deficit, there's that deficit column, I guess. I'm not an accountant, but HD and his wife would know. But that, 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 deficit, that deficit column of just failure and what never came to be that was supposed to happen, we just fill that column with grace. Meaning that God is going to act on my behalf because of the blood of Jesus Christ and he's going to bless me for walking in faith in something that I could never qualify for. You know, you and I could never qualify for this life. You ever look at yourself walking on water and you're thinking, how did I ever qualify for this life? How did I ever qualify to be with these people? That's what I always think. I'm like, you know, I'm just, how did I ever qualify to be with this group of people? That really is the grace of God. And so Micah 7 verse 8, do you know what that verse says? Micah 7 verse 8. This is a verse that I love this verse so much. And sometimes when we live in failure and we're really on the bottom and we're struggling and we're just living in just condemnation, we can quote this verse, Micah 7 verse 8. It says, Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Now Micah was a preacher. And he was preaching to Israel at a time when they were rebuilding everything after they come back from the captivity. Micah was a preacher that was supposed to be always filled with motivation and encouragement and inspiration. He was supposed to be the guy that was building everybody up. But he was struggling with something in his life. We don't know what it was, but he said, Don't rejoice over me, my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. That's something that we have to quote to ourselves about our past, our yesterdays. We think about yesterday and God being the security uh, for us from our yesterdays, that rear guard that when yesterday tries to creep up and ambush us, they're going to meet God. You know, Do you ever have something in your life that was such a temptation for you in the past, but now is not? And when you look behind, you're wondering, why is that not such a temptation in my life anymore? You look and you see God. There's Jesus Christ right there. Because there's something between you and that past. And that is called the grace and mercy of God. The new creation. That is our security from our past. I love this. Remember in the Old Testament when Joshua the high priest. um, It's just kind of this obscure verse. And sometimes when you read it you don't understand really what's going on. But you can see that Joshua the high priest is being dragged into the courtroom by the devil to before God and, and the devil says the accuser of the brethren in Romans chapter 12 is accusing God's man Joshua the high priest and says this this is your man this is the high priest and he has spotted garments and what does God do the ultimate judge does he say okay Joshua go wash your clothes does, does he give Joshua a cleanup program does he give Joshua you know like you know these are the Hail Marys that you got to pray these are the things you got to do this is what you got to do to get into this. What you got to do to feel good about yourself? No, God says change his garments. Just change his garments. That is so amazing because when we live in the finished work, that this year, even though we're just starting it, is already finished, and we finish this year as winners in the grace of God and in the finished work. 
that means that if we fail, we can say, I will rise because of the grace of God. I will rebound. I like that word. It's a basketball term, but it's like when you miss that shot when you're playing basketball. How many of you play basketball here or like, like, like basketball? You know, when you take that shot. I like basketball because you can do rebounds. In football, you can't do rebounds. You miss the kick and that's it. <laughs> it's like no rebounds. I, it's, I, saw, I saw a game this morning that it was an important kick and it bounced right off the goalpost. I thought, well, that's when you wish you played basketball, right? Because when it bounces off, you can rebound and you can shoot again. And that's the way it is with the kingdom of God. So we have security from yesterday and we have security for tomorrow. We have security for tomorrow. Our yesterdays are covered in the blood of Christ and our tomorrows are secure. And that's what it says in this verse, the Lord will go before you. And I like to think about that sometimes. If I have a really difficult meeting that's ahead of me or something that I really feel threatened, you know, very, you know, maybe intimidating uh, circumstance that awaits me that day, I like to think, okay, I'm sitting here in my chair, and God right now is just going out that door. He's going right to that meeting, and he's preparing that situation for me to get there. So by the time I get there, that's going to be a prepared situation for God to work. God is working on our tomorrows. He's working on March for us. He's, mar- he's working on February for us. He's, wor- he's working on our summer. God's already, got, he's, God's already got next December figured out. And we can just trust God for that because he's a God. And this is really a gracious revelation that in Exodus 23, verse 20, that God sends the angel of his presence before us. You know, in the Hebrew, and I mentioned this the other night, the angel of, of his presence means that it's actually the angel of the Lord and God himself are face to face to each other. And we know that that's the Holy Spirit, don't we? That the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ are face to face to God and there's never ever a shadow of turning between the two. The intimacy in the in the Trinity that we've been invited to is just so incredible. We are part of that intimacy in the family of God. And that is what gives us such security for tomorrow that you know all the things that we do, the hastiness that we get into because we're, we don't sense that we are secure, that we have to achieve some level of acceptance to God is not the way God thinks. And I am a total proponent of grace plus nothing in our walk with God because if, there was, if it was grace plus a little bit of my effort, it would not be grace. It'd be something else. It'd be, it'd be something that my flesh could glory in. God says, you know, I've, lift, I've lifted the big thing, so now you lift the little thing. That's not, you know, okay, I, I forgave all the sins of the world. Now you got to be sinless in this certain area of your life. That's, that is grace plus something. And if it's plus something, then my flesh can get in there. And my flesh can glory in that and say, God only helps those that help themselves. And believe it or not, there's a lot of people that believe that that's a Bible verse. <laughs> there's a lot of people that believe that's in the Bible and it's not in the Bible God helps those that are totally destitute and cannot change anything about their situation that's who God helps and I like Timothy Keller said that he said that grace and I don't know how exactly how he said it but grace searches for the deepest darkest sinner so that it can glory in its riches and that's what I think that this year is going to be really about. It's that like God's going to just, like water, it's just going to seep into those 
deep crevices of our soul that still have not been reached by God's daylight, and he's going to heal. He's going to do a lot of healing in our lives. And, and, and so we have that security for tomorrow. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse 2, and I thought of this verse when we were singing Hebrews 10, verse 2. It says that, um, that the worshipers can worship because there's no more consciousness of sin. You know, there's no more consciousness of sin. Like, I can't go to a praise and worship service if I'm living in consciousness of my sin. You know, like, did I sin? Yes. Am I saying that I'm not a sinner? No. Did I sin 15 minutes ago? Probably. And I don't even, you know, I'm just, because when we walk in the light, First John 1, 9, when, when we are walking in the light, we are being continually cleansed by the blood of Christ. If you look at the tenses in the Greek there of that verse, we are continually being cleansed. And, and I remember when I was a kid in Sunday school um, where I was in a very strict church and they said that all the sins that you did not confess with Jesus' name at the end of it are going to be played on a big screen in heaven and everyone's going to see your sins. Now, I don't know if that was a scare tactic, you know, because I was a pretty disobedient kid to make me obedient, but I, I just remember the bondage that that put me into and, and the fear and... and um, the self-consciousness and the self-awareness. And I felt so separated from God when they said that. But you know something? When we walk in the light and we're walking by faith, taking steps, like we took us, I think it took all of us to come here by faith today. It's going to take us faith to face this next year. When we walk in the light, we are being continually cleansed from all of those sins that we don't even, we're not even aware that we're committing. I think when we confess our sins to the Lord, which we're supposed to do in John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9, uh, we're only confessing maybe a super fraction of really all the sin that's going on in our minds and in our life, you know. And so, security for tomorrow. And then lastly, we have security for today. Security for today. And that means that we shall not go out with haste as fugitives. Um... I'm just really, um, one of the things I'm really amazed at is the pace of our life. Isn't it amazing? You know, we get up at, you know, we sleep three minutes and we get up, you know, and it's like, it feels like three minutes. And it's just, I mean, we hit the ground running, don't we? And if you've got kids, I don't know how you do it with kids. Oh, my gosh. I can just hardly do it with my wife and I and our dog. I mean, I'm just... Some of you are like, I wish we had that situation, right? But it's like, it's like the pace of life. And, and then we come into the presence of the Lord and we're just, our mind is racing and it's racing. And we're just thinking about, and the phone's beat. And now we got technology where we can know what's happening in China within three seconds. That's really great, you know. Information overload. And we have all of this stimuli coming. And... The, reason, the, the way we experience security for today is, is that we really learn how to get quiet before the Lord. Just get really quiet before God. You know, we use that word meditation as Christians, and some people don't understand what that means. It just means that I'm taking the Word of God and I'm mulling it over in a way. I'm just maybe thinking on the Word and just meditating on the Word, and then, then I get distracted about what's in my refrigerator. No, I'll go, I'll go back to this verse and just meditate on this verse and just meditate and learn like this mental discipline on how to focus on the Word. 
and that's how our prayer life develops and that's how our uh, that's how our our thinking with God begins to develop and when we you'll notice that when you have quiet time in the morning or quiet time at some point in the day and you dedicate that time to God then what begins to happen is is that there there is a lot more stability in the way we think and we're not rushing around uh, we're not rushing around and when we look at this new year, I think we can be very anxious. We can be very nervous. We can be very. Um, we can be worrying about our goals, our bonuses. We can be worried about our kids. What you know, what they got to be. You know, what they got to complete in school. We could be worried about our own health. We could be worried about a pending situation. But you know something? If we just get quiet before the Lord, and I like this verse in Habakkuk chapter two. I think it's verse twenty. It says, "Let all the earth be quiet, for the Lord." is in his holy tabernacle. Isn't that an awesome verse? Like, let all the earth be quiet. Think of busy downtown Houston, you know? And just just say, let all of Houston be quiet, for the Lord is in his holy temple. What does that mean, the Lord is in his holy temple? What is the holy temple of the Lord today? It's you and I, it's the believer. So when you and I choose to be yielding to the Holy Spirit and yielding to God in our life, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We walk into a circumstance and just think of all the demonic host and all of the craziness has to be still before the Lord because the Lord is in his tabernacle. When we think of our life that way, we approach it with a lot more peace, inner peace and quietness. Um, and just understanding that Maybe there's unresolved things. Maybe last year ended with some things unresolved, you know? Maybe there's relationships that are not resolved. Maybe that's what I that's what I don't like. I don't like when things are just I don't think anybody likes when anything's just hanging there, unresolved. Doesn't that cause anxiety? That cause like worry and it's cause like what's gonna happen with that? And you know, maybe all of us have those kind of situations where something's unresolved and they never got an answer to that big question in my life and I remember a guy from England, a friend of mine, he got saved. He, he was a scientist, and he had so many questions before he was going to get saved. And you know what he said? He said that, he said, when I started to focus on Jesus Christ and who he was and his awesome nature, at that point, I had the answer for all of my questions. And God didn't necessarily give me answers and resolve a lot of things. Because, you know, people die in God's perfect will, and not everything's resolved. We live in a world that's like very, uh, what do you call it, sanitized. Everything's clean and, you know, everything has a beginning and an end to it. A happy ending, maybe. But in God's kingdom, there are not always happy endings. And there are some things that are not resolved. But you know something, we have something in our life this year that we're facing that's much bigger than the unresolved things in our life. And that's the presence of God. That's the presence of God, isn't it? Like, that is God in us the hope of glory in Colossians 1 verse 27 um, I like what A.B. Simpson said and he's just an writer back in the day he said let the past rest um, but let it rest in the sweet embrace of Christ Isn't that beautiful let the past rest but let it rest in the sweet embrace of Christ uh, our founding pastor said this a successful life can be measured only in the terms of Christ never in the terms of accomplishment. Success is not based on what I've accomplished. It's just based on the fact that 
is Christ dwelling in my heart today by faith? And that means a housewife who ministers Christ to her family is a greater spiritual success than a religious leader who is lifeless and lives in the flesh. That's the way it goes in God's eyes. So in closing, um, this inner peace, you know, this peace that everyone's looking for, uh, for this new year, can never be really achieved. It can only be received. And this is peace with God. Our, you know, we started this day, we started this year, and it doesn't matter if it, it doesn't matter if we are starting a new year or a new hour. It's all the same. Every hour, every moment with God is a new year. It's like, you know, we could celebrate because his mercies are new every morning. Uh, his, his grace is new every second. And we can celebrate that newness and understand that Christ has made my peace with God. Someone says, do you have, someone may ask you, do you have peace with God? You know, are you, are you at peace with your past? Are you at peace with yourself? So I don't know, but I know I'm peace with God. And he's the greatest judge of it all. So I'm at peace with God. And my life may not be peaceful, but I have a lot of peace in my life. And I have a lot of joy. And, you know, if you have love, the first fruit of the Holy Spirit, that's going to, rejoice, that's going to result in some joy in your life. And I can always tell, <coughs> excuse me, if a Christian is trying to bear their own burden or live their own Christianity or sanctify themselves, there's not a lot of joy in their life. There's not a lot of joy. It's just... You know, a lot of self-improvement, working on my weaknesses. Let's not forget that, you know, we do want to overcome things in our life, but let's not overcome. Let's not forget uh, the main, the main thing, and that's Jesus Christ. Like, that's Jesus Christ. You know, like when we get to heaven, there's not going to be houses, there's not going to be cars, there's not going to be, you know, this stuff in our life. We may things may pass away in this life, but what really truly remain, remains is that Jesus Christ is today the same and forever. And so we want to leave all of the broken, irreversible things of the past in his hands and step out in, in an, invincible near, an, an invincible new year with God. And we can only do that by just saying, you know what, God, you are for me. And if you are for me, who can be against me? And I love this verse. And, and I think that many times when you hear this verse quoted, you don't hear... The verse quoted, right? You hear it quoted like, Nay, in all things, in Romans chapter 8, I'm more than a conqueror. In all things, I'm more than a conqueror. But we don't read that second verse. You know what the second part of that verse is? Through him who what? Loved us. How do we overcome in our life? The love of Christ, you know? I'm a sinner, but God loves me. That's awesome. When the devil comes at you and says, you know, you're this, this, and this, and this, you know what I always do? I go, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. But there's a big cross right there with blood on it saying it's forgiven. You know? And so we just say, agree with my adversary. Maybe that's not, we don't live in that. We just say, yeah, you know, absolutely. But I can face this new year because Christ is for me. And through him, we can overcome all things. And so I think we got a really great year ahead of us. I'm convinced of it. I'm persuaded. Not because of any external things that we see, but really because of that sense of that, that, um, that, in, that unction, you know, that unction of the Holy Spirit that's in us that really, that really like, 
testifies to an awesome future. So let's believe great things for God and do great things for God this year. Amen. 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 So.